Wow, that was late tonight. We are finally live, maybe. Wait for it. Oh, and we're live. Hey, all you crazy fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place we are, the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, and we are no longer waiting on the slow, slow stream yards to decide to start its live feed, uh, we're going to let our guests introduce themselves. And I'm going to go in alphabetical order because I have to prove that grunts can read. So we have the one, the only Miss Chloe Garner with no D. <laughs> hey, I am Chloe Garner. I write fantasy, science fiction, urban fantasy, paranormal, just about everything under the speculative umbrella, currently releasing books in my Verity universe, horse books at this point, because why not? And I'm having a great time at it. Thanks, guys. Outstanding. Next, we have Mr. Chris Denote. Can you introduce yourself for people that might not remember? It's been a while for you, sir. You're muted. It helps if you unmute. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Chris Denote. I write military sci-fi. Thanks for having me back on. I'm freaking saying he's a man of few words, but he writes a lot of them, so it's all good. (laughs) All right. Next, we have Mr. J.E. Sometimes we call him James Pittman. Hey guys, uh, I'm J.E. Pittman. I write the Felix Chance Urban Fantasy series. I also write lots of uh, basically any kind of speculative fiction you can think of. And he thinks about a lot of things, so it gets dark, people. All right. Next, we have the many voices and many personalities of the lovely Miss Jenna Brown, sometimes as Jenna Ray, and other ones we would have to kill you if we told you about. Shh. Don't tell. No, I'm Janice Brown, also Jenna Ray. Under Jenna Ray, I write all sorts of speculative fiction, uh, space cowboys, space pirates, all, all sorts of nice things. Uh, urban fantasy, fantasy, if it's under that umbrella, I'm, I'm interested. Um, Janice Brown writes nonfiction, generally about writing. And then we have, you know, another name, and it's all about that smoochy stuff. We'll see if she comes into play today or not. Do we have oh, yeah. sparkling blue Manchester on the covers? I'm just asking for a friend. Well, yeah, there, there's definitely some Manchester going on, but it's it's not full shirt. It's just it, it we, we tease, we tease. Okay, all right. Well, this is family friendly, so I will save the joke I was going to make, and we're going to move on, and we're going to let Mister Michael Lavoice introduce himself. Hey, I'm Michael Lavoice, uh, author of uh, Galaxy's Most Wanted, which has been described as an interplanetary Ocean's Eleven. Uh, I write science fiction, uh, mostly space opera. Uh, I have recently delved into some horror, submitting some short stories over Three Ravens. So that's been fun. Short stories are always fun. I love me some short content. It's kind of an addiction. All right. Now, dear listener, if you've been around for a while, you know I'm supposed to tell you how we first met them. But all of these people have been on so many times, you've probably memorized it. But they're some of my favorite group of 'er ne'er-do-wells who we probably met doing nefarious things. So, I love a good nefarious yeah, dirty deeds done yeah, dirt cheap or something, something. I don't know. I that stuck in my memory hole for a reason. I don't know. All I don't right, know. The rates have gone up. Oh, am I? Am no, I friends bail you out of jail, Jr. Real friends are in the cell with you, going, "Dude, that was awesome." Heck yeah! Um, and maybe in my younger PFC days, that might have happened. Um, you know, it's classified. It's classified. Uh, and MPs are jerks, so who needs them? That's why we have infantry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I know, I know. Your son is like an MP or something. It's almost like he just entered the white phase. They're finna hit the range hard and heavy. Fun times. The uh, the Air Force, though, does not have MPs. They call themselves SF because they want to confuse people. 
security forces <laughs> instead of MPs. They like guard stuff. Yeah. I gotta look are, are, you, are we getting the official Air Force stare in the, the Force Whitaker Twitch eye from you, Chris? Yeah. Uh, he's so angry he muted himself. Chris's internet is not helping him today. No. I, I'm going to blame it on he didn't like my joke, and we're going to see. Um, since we've had you all on, if uh, if Chris can unmute, we get to ask him the religion question he hasn't answered yet. But until then, for everyone else, uh, what is your favorite brand of coffee or tea? All right. Money you're not gonna be <laughs> oh, no, okay. So your religion question, sir, coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Okay, coffee. Um, my wife corrected me earlier because I said I always drink it black. I don't. In the morning, I have it with cream, no sugar, and uh, then the rest of the work day, I have it. With, I have it black. Otherwise, I'll have tea. I don't mind having tea. Um, as far as favorite brand, I'm a big fan of a uh, company called Seven Weeks. That's my favorite brand of coffee uh, right now. Um, I like I like what they do quite a bit. Okay. All right. What about you, Michael LaVoice? Oh, coffee. Uh, if it, if it's money is no object, I'll get Death Wish every time. Okay, they'll give you the jitters. You will see sound and you will hear colors and it will yes, be sir. glorious. <laughs> All right. What about you, Jenna S. Brown? Oh, Jenna, I'm sorry. Jenna and Jenna, I mixed them up. That's all right. It's all good. Now, I am a soft drink girl, so I drink Diet Dr. Pepper. Over ice, sometimes with flavors in it. It's a thing. You know, there are, there's also so Mr. Spicy Pim, so you could have you could have favorites and mix it up a little bit. Well, I could. Now, and I do like a really good hot chocolate. And I know that Coffee Brown Coffee, who sponsors the podcast, makes an amazing hot chocolate because I've tried that. Yeah. Um, the one thing I can't get behind is the I've done at uh, European Sipping Chocolate at a coffee confectionery. Oh, that's, that uh, was downtown weird stuff. That was just like drinking pure molten sugar chocolate. And I just couldn't, I'm, I couldn't <laughs> hang. I felt the diabetes coming on. I couldn't do it. The Arabic coffee diabetes. is good, though. I have heard. I didn't get to try it when we were over there, mostly because they didn't stop shooting at us long enough to make friends with us. Mm -hmm. But right. it, it is on my list of things to try. I got, I had it twice with um, a couple of the, what did they call them? He Trump's, actually makes me get uh, the jitters, man. I've, I've literally drank oh. that and started having the shakes. Like the walls are talking to me. The walls are talking to me. I mean, that stuff <laughs> is just. It was better than a case of Red Bull as far as <laughs> caffeine consumption. Or, or Rippets. And, or Rippets with, the, with their carrot aftertaste. We've got a, a Moroccan restaurant here called Casablanca, and uh, they serve that stuff, and it's so great. Good name. Okay. All right. What about you, Mr. J.E. Pittman? What's your favorite coffee or tea? Uh, of the two, I'll take iced tea, and I'm going to keep it simple and say Lipton, you know. Okay. Given our past conversations, I thought you'd say Long Island, but Lipton works. It's <laughs> a good answer. You gave me two options. That judgment I hear, Show the third. The Not at all. This is a judgment-free zone. We're like the fitness right. planetarium of some sort. Sounded more like envy. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, the the whole healthy eating took away a lot of my favorite foods, so mm -hmm. I'm learning to cope. Mostly by raging at other people online. I had to get off Twitter because it just wasn't fair. Get off Twitter, man. I know, man. All right, Chloe, favorite coffee or tea? Yankee. <laughs> I 
I don't drink coffee and cheese. So I really do like the Yankee hazelnut candle, but that's as close as I get to that stuff. I'm a soda girl too. Coke of the Cola all the way. I'm a fan girl. Okay. What about new Coke? Are you a fan there? Oh, please. Step off, man. No. My favorite meme is told Coke people that until they put cocaine back in their coffee, or I mean in their Coke, they don't need to mess with the flavor again. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly I was just about to say that. that. Actually, put the Coke back in. Okay. Well, I mean, your job might not like it, but, you know, Escobar might. Yeah, but that would be a good soda. Fortunately, (laughs) I'm not in a place where they do random testing anymore, so I'm fine. Outstanding. Well, now that you said that, they might. I realized I forgot the card. (laughs) All right, Nick, I didn't want to forget you this time. So, favorite coffee or tea brand? Oh, man. Um so with coffee, I, I've really been enjoying our, our sponsor, Coffee Brand Coffee, the bourbon flavor. Uh, the blueberry's okay. Um, Stabby likes it more than I do. It feels like I'm drinking coffee and someone's yelling the flavor into my ear. It's blueberry! And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's, it's about to be whiskey. Um, okay. When we come to the tea, um, I like unsweetened tea, but I also like to mix it with lemonade. So Arnold Palmer. Um, and then sometimes I get really spicy and I'll put alcohol in it and then that becomes a phil mickelson i didn't know all that had a name all fans here it does all right what about you madam stabby stab you got to do the mute switcheroo thing there nick oh wrong button you just kicked somebody out of the show oh no i'm not sure who he kicked all right who are we missing we're missing dinner chris 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 is gone I was, oh, that I was, was saving Wi-Fi. photos. I was saving photos. I was trying you didn't, to. You didn't to pick them out. His Wi Fi failed, so we're just going to rock on. <laughs> oh, did I kick him out? No, no. I, I, the timing was just so perfect. It kind of felt like you did, but it was his Wi Fi oh, went down. What a nick am I? I know. Anyways, it, it, um, I absolutely love diner coffee. Is that a brand, or do you mean literally going into diners? Yeah, like and- literally going to a diner. I love diner coffee. Is that a Waffle House mug over here? So it's, it's the salmonella and bacteria mixed with unclean mugs and never washed pots. It just adds something to the taste. Well, um, when me. you work in, in casinos for so long, you don't usually pay attention to the fresh pot versus the old pot of coffee. You just want coffee because it's 3 a.m. and you have like – four more hours of work so you just grab whatever pot and fill up your cup and you get used to that flavor actually the old coffee flavor and so yeah i like diner coffee there's a stew like that it's so good um and then when it comes to tea um i like sun tea so i i like unsweetened sun tea but um, if I'm really sick, then it's hot tea, Lipton only, hot tea with honey, lemon juice, and bourbon in it. So if I'm going for just my daily coffee, I like the 8 o'clock brand French vanilla coffee with French vanilla creamer. It's my go-to. Um, and then um, sometimes I make the creamer myself. Sometimes... Uh, I'll get the International Delight just because it's got longer shelf life. It's all those chemicals. It's going to make us last forever. Um, and then if I'm doing like really frou-frou coffee, I really do enjoy the s'mores. I'm, I'm on my third bag at this point. I think I've got a problem. I probably need to talk to a doctor. 
Um, but the s'mores coffee from Coffee Brown is pretty good with just regular plain cream because uh, that little bit of richness makes it really feel like you're drinking the s'mores. Which got me thinking I probably need to build a fire pit because now I want real s'mores and not just liquid s'mores. So there's that. Um, Lowe's is going to love me for that sponsorship because I will be buying the bricks and building the thing. That is my new winter project. Can I blame nice. Nick for this, uh, Stabby? Absolutely. I feel like this should be Nick's fault somehow. It's Absolutely. always Nick's fault. All right, perfect, fact, perfect. Hold on, there's a banner coming. Uh-oh, uh-oh, does it say blame Nick? All right, so first uh, we're going to introduce, if you read the topic, because sometimes people actually read the header of like what the episode is called and they don't just hit play, but ahoy, maybe there'd be space pirates. It's always Nick's fault. I like that banner. For those listening at home, it's a small bar at the bottom. But uh, we decided we wanted to talk about space pirates because why there not? Be an apostrophe it, there, Nick. Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, he, he needs you to edit for him, clearly. Um, <laughs> I, I remember distinctly the day I was watching the Nick Jr. with the kiddos, and they had uh, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, and they're like, we don't steal. We're pirates. That's not what we do. And I remember thinking, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And so I had to pause the show and explain exactly what piracy was. Uh, and then it got me thinking, we could probably make that an episode. And we could even throw in a little bit of, you know, intergalactic letters of Mark. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Ooh. I'm digging that. We're now privateers. We are. Because what's the difference between a, a pirate and a privateer? Not much. A license a letter of Mark. Paperwork. Yeah, it's the paperwork. 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 Red tape. But uh, because we're talking about pirates, uh, Janice's family are all certifiable nerds, just like us. And so they had a question, and I'm going to let her ask because she's stealing credit from them. So at least the right family gets the credit. That's true. So... We were talking about um, with space pirates, if you have to walk the plank, exactly how does that work? Which my brother-in-law brought up and says, so if you flush somebody out the airlock, is that the space pirate version of walking the plank? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I when that happens, do you float? Do you fly out? Do you just explode because you're not in a space suit? What, what really are the parameters of walking the plank space pirate style? Depends on oh, if they geez. depressurized it before they open the outer lock. Mm -hmm. I've had this conversation recently, and you do want do not want to know the depth of nerd that lives in my house. <laughs> yes, we do. we do. I think you that's what we're And you slowly freeze to death. Yeah. I don't think you even flush out the airlock because one bar of pressure, one atmosphere is not very much. You put it through a little hole, and you get a whistle, and it's exciting and stuff. But you like open up an, a large hole and nothing happens. The air, it's, it's not a breeze. So you're standing there and all of the nitrogen in your blood bubbles, which is the bends. And all yeah. of the air that is bouncing off of you stops bouncing off of you. And your molecules slowly start to decelerate until you freeze to death. This How anticlimactic. Yeah, so now, now, now let's do the movie version of it. What's the dramatic version of Space papers Pirates walking flying about? around everywhere? Where do the papers come from? <laughs> They're magic They're space papers. There's they, some they guy guy the quartermaster's like, well, I know I had those files somewhere. Somewhere, yes. <laughs> so what I want to see is one day they're going to make you walk the plank in one of these series. And the body's just going to float out there, and eventually it's going to bump into something important, cause catastrophic failure, and we're going to have an intergalactic war because our dead body floated and broke their space station. No, you use him as target practice for the torpedoes. Ah, there yeah. you go. No, one better, keel hauling. So you send somebody on a spacewalk, tie them to the ship, and then fly. And it's just drag them along. Oh, and 
You can't Wait, exactly drag them against the surface. Or, or you could go the Marauder or the Ravager route and use them as hood Eat ornaments. Them. Yep. Yeah. Shiny. All, all bad. But funny. I okay, but... For for the for the kill hauling, I can't get past like in order for that to work, you're dragging him across the surface of the underside of the ship, which is covered in barnacles. So you're ripping their skin open, and the salt hurts it, and you're like basically rubbing salt into open wounds, and it's painful if they don't die from blood loss or the sharks. It it, it leaves a reminder on their back. How does that work if they are because there's absolutely no chance of them living if you send them without a spaceship? or spacesuit, and you can't exactly make sure they rub against the surface. And do you want them to? They might hit something important. And then if you send them in their spacesuit, I mean, it's basically just a free float. and Like, they might get sick in their helmet. So what? Space sharks. Think... Space sharks? Okay. Hey, they just did space whales on Ahsoka. So if they can do space whales, yeah. we can have space sharks. Well, we've had space sharks. Shark. Have you ever heard of those shark ships from Marvel Comics that uh, the brood ran around in? Mm-hmm. Star Sharks, they're a thing. Yep, mm -hmm. totally. Star and Star Trek, Star didn't Sharks. they do space whales first? Well, those were no, on Earth, and really then they, we took whales went. with us Earth through time. Those, those were Earthbound whales, but, but they were yeah, Ahsoka did the whole, you know, spoilers, Jonah and the whale thing, and, and got, got traveled around inside of a whale. So stupid. It was the dumbest thing ever. But <laughs> I, they lost me at episode three on Ahsoka, so I just couldn't. I couldn't. It yeah, was like I'm a sure series without a purpose. Need to be made. Well, to be fair, that was not the first appearance of the space. To whales. be fair. 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 All right. So we've got the space whales. Why not? Um, okay. So um, given the man. presence of all the sensory stuff that you can, like, you can't exactly follow fly a false flag on a spaceship like you could back in the day because it's like technical. So do you think there's a technical equivalent to allow pirates to get up close and personal and do their dirty deeds? Well, your beacon, you just the yeah. beacon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you do that with I'm ships all the time. Dude. Yeah. Go nautical. Fly, flying a false flag. Um, you could do that with technology. You, you emit a signal. Because in most of our favorite sci-fi's, they're emitting a signal that identify who they are. They have what they call, like we have an AIS um, on our boats that, if you look on the GPS or you look on your chart plotter, it shows a ship or a boat. It's like, hey, it's this. Um, so I'm assuming that we get into space and we have similar technology of an AIS. So all that is is ones and twos. It's codes. So it would be really easy to like admit like, oh, I'm from the Romulan Empire and Romulan friendly space, you know, and then you get like, surprise, I'm the Federation, sucker, you know, or reverse. Well, no, on Firefly, they would steal the transponder the codes and phone them and just mm -hmm. run them to mask their ship signatures. They even, yeah. like in the first episode, made the crybabies where they just put an automated distress beacon out to draw another ship away. So it... it it's easy to do the false flag and work that kind of system with the electronics and the the radio beacons. Because space is big, and we also have to factor in just a little bit speed of light issues. And so a lot of times, you know, 
they don't see you coming. <laughs> it, it's a long ways away until you get close to a dock or a board or something where you actually start to see the ships. So you've got a lot of space to deal with. Easy to hide. Okay. Ooh, ladies. Look so, at those Does anyone have a favorite space pirate? Captain Harlock. Okay. Thank you. Harlock's good. Harlock's yeah, good. Cap Captain Harlock was... Uh, featured in a series of animes um and uh he's not he's not a typical pirate he's kind of a more of a rogue character that the reigning government wants to shut down because of what he represents but he does fly the skull and bones so that makes him a pirate in my book he set um, the standard for all anime space pirates he did indeed I and like they recently redid one of those uh, in like the new modern 3D sort of animation uh, while still trying to retain some of the anime qualities. And it wasn't bad, you know, but I don't know. I like my old school anime. I like okay. his look because he looked like Black Terror, which is a uh, public domain comic book character. Same look. It like his like with a high uh, collar on his cape. All that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the cross skull and bones. Okay. What about you, Stabby? Do you have a favorite space pirate? Um, Riddick. Oh. Ooh. Go on. Because even though he's an escaped convict, he is still technically a pirate if you think about it. He's not, you know, going about anything honestly. He's stealing what he needs or wants and then he goes to the next place he gets caught he escapes jail he does it again again, again. he's a space pirate <laughs> and i like it he'll kill you with the teacup <laughs> okay well because i um we need to misbehave oh, because shit. my right. the book that was the most popular that I've written was based on the Galaxy's Edge that was inspired by the pirate Laupak. I'll have to say him mostly because I like his voice. They do him like some sort of fusion hybrid Asian English deal going on where he was mocking everybody. Yep. Um, it's one of those characters that everyone's like, "Oh, you should write a book about just that character," but you realize they're the comic relief and the, they they wouldn't support a whole novel. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that one. Um, yep. There's short a story, maybe. Yeah, short story could work. There was a um, oh, I'm John a blank on the guy that wrote wrote it, and I know his name, but I also know that's not his pen name. But he wrote a pirate book that involved um, a Shakespearean actor in this. For whatever reason, they're still doing Shakespeare in like the 23rd century, because you know nothing else has been written. Uh, but he was a Shakespearean actor who gets caught and then ends up becoming a pirate. And uh, I will put that in the show notes because the name is escaping me, but. It was very well done. I've actually wrote a review on it on my website, so I'll link to that as well. I quite enjoyed the Ravagers from Guardians of the Galaxy. They're fun. Oh? Yeah, like yeah. yeah Yondu's on my list. Yondu's the man. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I love Yondu. <laughs> Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> okay. Um, do you prefer the, the pirates or the good guys or the bad guys? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
I mean, that's I mean, part of the fun with pirates, isn't it? Is the ones that we love are often the the morally gray guys. I mean, I, I argue that Han Solo is a great pirate, and he's yep. kind of got that scoundrel thing going on. He's mm -hmm. smuggling. He gets the girl, but he, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? It's very situational. It's uh, pirates have a tendency to be very self-serving. As, as our traditional, you know, setting them up as an archetype mm -hmm. is, is is that's one of the things that they fulfill is is they're the scoundrel with the heart of gold, but they're also very self-serving, and so I, I think that you can argue that yes, we want them to be a little bit of both. We 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 want them to be 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 the bad guy, but not too too bad because mm -hmm. we we like the scoundrel with the heart of gold. Yeah, morally fluid is fine. I'll tell you, my first experience with space pirates ever was Piers Anthony's Bio of a Space Tyrant. And a I'm story. here to tell you, man, that, that book messed me up because those pirates were rough. Mm -hmm. And Piers Anthony has got issues. Okay. <laughs> and they're all sexual. So I'm, I'm not going into any more detail than that, but that book messed me up for a while. I um, think the best... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I was happy to discover people like Harlock. And uh, I think one of my favorite movies of all time for a lot of different reasons is still uh, Treasure Planet because it's got Long John Silver, who is the quintessential pirate with the heart of gold. Uh, plus it's in space. Plus it's got a great, amazing voice cast. Plus they invented a new animation technique just for that movie that they haven't used since. There's just all kinds of great stuff about that flick. So I did a quick Google while you were speaking, Michael, and the name of the book is We Happy Few, The Leviathan Universe 2138, and it's by author Edward D. Hudson. That is his pen name. Uh, he has not written book two yet, sadly. The uh, U.S. Army had other plans for him, and he's been doing the whole active duty thing when he thought he was done. It happens. Um, but he assures me that he started writing book two, and I'm going to throw that cover up just so you can see it. But it is very well written. Ooh. Oh, sweet. And, uh, this was it looks fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the uh, the helmets can do scary faces <coughs> um, to uh, to scare people when they kick the doors in and stuff. So that's what you're seeing. Well, what you saw, but uh, but that is a very well written space pirate book. I don't think I've read any that were from the pirates POV. Um, I've certainly read other stories. A lot of Star Trek and Star Wars had piracy involved themes. There, one of the older space pirate stories was written by E. E. Doc Smith, creator of the Lensman. Uh, and it's called uh, the Space Pirates. Um, oh, Tedrick, I think, was the name of the main character. Uh, he's a former hero who had to become a pirate out of necessity. So that one's kind of written from the pirate's point of view. Okay. Now, if really wanna, go if ahead. you really want to go to the point of really, you know, a space pirate, and he actually calls himself, he actually calls himself it. Um, is actually Mark Watney in The yep. Martian mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. he commandeers the NASA ship to That's a great to line. Get home. Yep. He says, I don't have permission to take it, so by going and taking it, that'll make me the very That's first space great pirate. Line. So, we actually uh, international waters. Yep. We actually interviewed, um, I don't remember if it was on Blasters and Blades or back when we were still sci-fi sci -fi shenanigans, but we interviewed a lawyer whose focus was on international and intergalactic space law. And she says that, that I, I remember that one, but she said it was not actually space piracy. Uh, I just can't remember the name of the lady or I would have would have invited her for this panel. And we should definitely have her back 
when we do a topic like this because it would be fun to, you know, get that oh by the way moment on what the law actually says. But space uh, Stargate Universe, the um, the later end of the series when they were getting resupplied, they dealt with some space pirates in that one as one of the the later themes. We don't know how it ended because those bastards at Fox ended it, and we never got the satisfactory Always conclusion. Do. No, looking do. looking at pirates as the the villains or the heroes, there's a really interesting duality to that type of character, that that archetype that splits between the sort of maverick, independent, autonomous um, person who does their own thing and doesn't like having authority over them. And then there's the other side of it, which is just plain desperate and there are no alternatives and, and, and the, you're, you're dealing with sheer need all the time. And you end up with these desperate people that are almost like zombies. You can kill as many of them as you want. Nobody really cares. And we're all attracted to the, the maverick uh, uh, pirate who is off doing his own thing because he's just got that much vision and that much personal drive. But there's this other side of it where they're, they're really dirty, bloodthirsty and, and, and almost inhuman characters that drive the villain side of plots really beautifully without ever being interesting, attractive characters. They're just, they're just a black hole of, of destruction. Well, let's say it, you know, in layman's terms, just because you bad guy doesn't mean you bad guy. <laughs> you like that line, by the way. You use it a lot. Oh, I love that movie. And yes, and it, it qualifies because when it comes to space pirates, look at them, all of them. You're like, wow, that's dirty. You're just going to leave her there. You're just going to leave him there. You're just going to do that for the money. And then they come back. They save the girl. They get the girl. They protect the children. Like, they are bad guys, but are they bad guys? The crisis of conscience scene, that's always a trope when you see the, the pirates, who the real bad guys are. Just like with monsters, the trope is we're the real monsters. The, sometimes you see that sort of evolved into pirates. Um, but we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly show for the man, because then I got a question when we come back. But for now, we are going to let the commercial flow. Humanity will be free, no matter the cost. Deep in the Guatemalan jungle, buried beneath a forgotten Mayan pyramid, an earth-shattering secret sits waiting. Its discovery will rip apart the illusion that humanity is alone in the universe. Engaged in a life-and-death struggle for the future of mankind, Harry Rogers and Jess Cook are forced to protect this secret from the most despicable foes imaginable. They must race across the globe to complete Liberty Station, the first true interplanetary ship. Only then can they search for the shocking truth behind what they found. They have no room for error, because failure means death for them and subjugation for everyone else. Presenting Liberty Station, Book One of Humanity Unlimited, written by Terry Mixon. Purchase your copy on Amazon, and learn more about the author and his works at terrymixon.com. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. Uh, Nick just had just enough time to go grab more liquid refreshments. Uh, and so I was about to ask, and then I realized it was time for the commercial, but 
what do you think? Do you think in order for it to be true space pirates to scratch that itch for you that it has to be in space? Or are you okay with ground operations with pirates? Hmm. Uh, yeah, because pirates back in the day when they were on the sea are with invade towns and pillage towns. So, yeah. Why wouldn't it be the same for space pirates? You know, they're like, oh, that's a, that's a nice little lucrative planet you got down there, small colony. It'd be ashamed if we showed up and stole some shit. Or a space station. Yeah. Or a space station. Ooh, but yeah, it's got to I mean, return to the space, does the space yeah. connection. Because otherwise, yeah. if, it's, if it's all land stuff and they say, oh, yeah, there's a ship and we'll get there eventually, then it doesn't work for me. I, I, I want to see them you know, plotting in their ship and then if they come down and do stuff on a planet or whatever and then return. I mean, that's a lot of the Firefly episodes, you know, mm -hmm. where we're here in Serenity and we're going to do the train job and we're going to pull off this heist and then we're going to fly back off into space. Uh, yeah, Jamestown and all those other kind of things. So I, I want it still firmly set as being science fiction space, space, instead of just being pirate pirates. Not that I don't love pirate pirates, but they're, they're, they're a different thing. Yeah, I think I think most of us are still in love with the age of wooden ships and iron men that all of our favorite classic pirates came from. And a lot of us, I think, view space as an extension of the oceans that we deal with here on our own planet. And so I think it's only natural that we would think, yeah, there's got to be pirates. Should be pirates. They're 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 part of the whole human experience, but I think we probably want to address the elephant in the room that maybe nobody's thought of yet, but I was just thinking about this today. Being a space pirate, I mean, it's really unlikely that you would accomplish this for a lot of sciency reasons, like matching vectors with another ship, the vast distances between <laughs> ships out mm -hmm. there in the black. You're trying to catch up to something and latch onto it and then board it and then subjugate the people that are on it it's a lot of work, man. Um, la, 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 stop destroying no, wait, my wait, stories. Wait. Go it away. Gets better, it gets better, I promise. <laughs> but then I thought, you know, they don't have to cruise the space lanes. All they got to do is hang out relatively close to a space station somewhere and nab the boats as they come in. So it can still work. It's just the, the classic image of the, the Jolly Roger flying on a ship cruising around just looking for an unlikely victim, I don't think works in this genre. But hiding out inside, you know, an asteroid belt or something, ready to pounce, that definitely works. Well, that's how traditionally piracy was. They stayed along the currents, along the coasts. They basically hunted where they knew the ships would be. So any kind of space travel, you're probably going to have, like designated shipping lanes or things of that nature just because like you say space is vast you're really trying to hit a needle the eye of a needle light years away you know if you're off the books you're not going to be found just in space just roaming around you have to like set up uh positions to stalk and pounce and ambush i mean look at uh like, for instance, uh, going back to Firefly, one of the big things when the Serenity got hijacked, it was programmed to go to a little kill ring in the middle of nowhere, take over the ship, and send it to this one spot where the pirates have their stronghold to take the ship. One of Christina Hendricks' best roles. Yep. 
No, there's a lot of really complicated uh, choreography that goes into ship-to-ship combat in space. Mm-hmm. Where trying to preserve the value of the second vessel is important, and you can't just swing across. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> but it it the 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 technolo- technological challenges are all things that you can either solve very meticulously, um, all of the Martian and and the sense of we're going to get the science right, or you can just hand wave it away and move on because, dude, it's science fiction and this is fun. It's supposed to be fun. I love that part of it. And pirates don't care about the rules anyway. Yeah, in Galaxy oh, Most Wanted, I have a lot. I have an actual crime syndicate that operates in space, and um, one of their favorite tricks is to just tark the engineering section, knock out the engines. Then you don't have to worry about the ship flying away from you. You just let it coast, and you can catch up to it and overtake it. But there's problems with that too, because if you hit the wrong spot in engineering, the whole ship goes up. So yeah, got to be no longer running with containment. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're now a reaver. <laughs> okay. So does anybody else have opinions on the um, piracy on land tropes? Uh, I know Pittman and Chloe didn't, uh, didn't weigh in. So, you know, Firefly from one perspective, you know, from the Alliance perspective, Captain Mal is a pirate, but I would argue from his own perspective, he's much more of like a cowboy. And so he's just kind of doing his own thing, providing for his own people. And a lot of it, while the Serenity is the conveyance, is the ship, and a lot of it takes place on it, they're going from planet to planet. They're going from station to station. They're picking up jobs. They're picking up cargo. They're smuggling. And, you know, even like in the first episode, they're called Pirates by the Alliance because they're, you know, salvaging a ship that uh, had protein and you know food staple uh cargo on it but you know that was frowned upon so he is not law so i really think it's a uh, when you bring the land in it kind of muddies the waters a little bit between piracy and cowboy so that's that's my take on it I don't know that it does because what works a lot of the the space cowboy tropes are applied to smugglers rather than actual pirates, um, and a, a smuggling is against the law, but it's not piracy. It's piracy is something different. It's taking stuff yeah. against the the will of the people who had it before. Um, and to, to to look at the the space to ground trope, it makes the piracy a lot more realistic and a lot more easy to accomplish i don't have any issue with that being a space pirate because you're still on a ship that is in space that doesn't make it less space piracy. for me though i don't actually mind the idea of a science fiction pirate who is fully ground-based and on a water ship being a space pirate because he is a science fiction pirate with science fiction technology He's not a classic pirate. He is something else. And it's a stretch, but I think it's less of a stretch than a space smuggler being a, a, a pirate. I think that spy, uh, piracy in science fiction is is space piracy as long as it's not on this planet. I'm, I'm all right with all of the extensions of that trope. I like them. So here's a question for you. Does Captain Hook count? Think about it. Um, when Peter takes the kids, you know, it's the second start to the right and straight on till morning. 
And then Tink uses the pirate ship later in the movie and the story to, you know, bring everybody home. So does Captain mm -hmm. Hook count as a space pirate? I would think so. Yeah. Except it was Hook's not on the travel. ship at that point because <laughs> Hook got eaten. Yep. Interstellar travel on a pirate ship, it counts. Nick, you got to zoom in that if you want to show that. Don't tell so me what to do. What, <laughs> what about all the different, because um, if we're talking space and piratism, um, what about Doctor Who? Oh, yeah. Doctor Who's had plenty of space pirates. In mm -hmm. fact, it was an entire run in the second mm -hmm. Doctor's time called the Space Pirates. Mm -hmm. And it's been a very frequently recurring trope. Yep. So then I guess the real question that, I, that I'm asking here is what defines a space pirate? A boat and science fiction off this planet. <laughs> Does well, it and, and the taking of things. Yeah. And yeah. the theft. And there must yeah. be yeah. involved. Because so Doctor Who himself, the Doctor, is never not a space pirate. Yeah. He, he, is, he, he encounters is the space too pirate. Far, yeah. Too far on the, the side of, of good-ish um, for, for given <laughs> values. Um but but he's not the one that's going and, and stealing stuff and taking mm -hmm. stuff and moving illicit goods and that kind of thing. So you have to have that side that is the the illicit side um, in order for it to be piracy. Again, otherwise you get are they are they space pirates? Are they space cowboys? Are they space outlaws? Are they you, you, mm -hmm. there's a whole group of, of folks that we like to tell stories about that yeah, are space. all um, kind of beyond. The, uh, those, those fringe people and we like to put them in space or in secondary fantasy worlds mm -hmm. or wherever because it's fun yeah okay. it's a character trope for a reason but I, I think you can make a good case for a pirate a space pirate having a planetary home base um, uh, mm -hmm. Rick Hartlow and Ralph Kearns just released a first book in a series that's doing just that oh, nice. um, a uh, kind of a space ranger character runs across a space pirate group that has completely taken over a planet. That's their base. Mm -hmm. So Tortuga. you can have both without muddying the waters as much. Space Tortuga. Space Tortuga. I love it. <laughs> it's also a Tortuga is a Navy ship. It's a amphibious of some sort. LSD, LSD, uh, LSD something. I don't know. It's LSD. Navy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's Navy people. I, I Navy. What are you going to do? It's weird. Um, all right. So what do you guys think about the symbology of piracy? Does it have to be there inside uh, space pirates like the Jolly Roger, the Skull and Crossbones, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff? Um, there were other flags, the uh, the um, the skeleton holding something about a red heart. I seem to remember seeing yeah, whatever teaches flag. Yeah, teach. yeah. So does does that symbology matter in, in a future space sense or do you want new symbology? I prefer the orb-shaped alien head, skull, and crossbones. I don't know if that's duty license-free or whatever out there, but it exists. I, I want it on a shirt so bad. <laughs> okay. But it's your typical gray alien skull with the crossbones under it. It's it's great. Uh oh, Stabby's okay. on it. Look at her go. <laughs> All right, what about you, Jenna? Um. I like a callback to the traditional symbology, mm -hmm. but I want them to make it their own within the story. So if you want to say, you know, flying the white flag, but that's something slightly different, 
Um, I, I like watching authors and storytellers put a twist on it that says, this is why this matters in my universe, even though they mm -hmm. may call, it may be calling back to something that we're going to be familiar with and go, oh, well, we, we, we know this and yet we don't <clears throat> ask more questions. So That's I, like I want to see a stretch. In David Weber's Honorverse, uh, the oh, way yes. a ship surrendered, they would turn their impeller wedge, uh, invert it, and that meant they were out of the fight. They were surrendering. It was the same thing as raising a white flag. Yeah, and that's what I love is when, when you do something like that and say, this is this is what it's going to be here, but it still, it still hits those same things. Mm -hmm. So they would change the pitch of their impeller, and that was them... Yeah, they would, they would turn the wedge a, a certain way. I, it's been a while since I've read those, so bear with me. I mean, but, they, the first one came out like 30-something years ago. So Yeah, and, and I was reading them back then. So um, I'm thinking of earthbound ships and boats where, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Switching the pitch of the impeller does nothing. It's space and hand wave young, so space magic. Oh, I, know, I, I know, I know. The symbolism, what's the symbolism there the symbolism was with the with the gravitic wedge turned that way it was no longer uh, a lot of your enemy fire would get sucked into the gravitational forces of the gravitic wedge it was one of their protections against being hit and when you turn that wedge that way you were vulnerable hmm. so okay. you're taking yourself out of the fight i'm showing my belly basically and i'm out Okay. Well, a space impeller probably works a lot different than a boat impeller here on. Oh, I'm Earth. sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said I was like, you changed the pitch. It's the not pitch. a giant screw. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. Well, you're a very earthly creature, and we're talking about well, space yeah. magic. All right. So, Pittman, you haven't weighed in on this one. So, thoughts on the symbols? Well, not, not the clanging metal kind, because my monkey stole those already. Yeah, I'm with uh, Jan on this one. It's it's kind of like keeping in the spirit of it. As long as it's kind of got an analog and just kind of fits with the whole pirate mythos, I'm cool with it. You just come up with your own way to show that. I like them used as a callback, but it doesn't have to be there. Um, this is not what makes a pirate a pirate. I mean, having a captain walking around on a wooden leg would be fabulous. Um, <laughs> there are things that you can do that aren't intended to necessarily be parallel so much as a wink to the, the original, the, the, the existing mythology, but, um, that's me. I'm sorry. It's Yes. Um, but, but having that be a wink to the audience just is a lot of fun. And that's, that's a, a nice tribute to the, the, the relationship you get to the, the audience with the, the older stories. One, one of my reptilian crime syndicate pirate captains actually has an electronic multi lash. It, it's basically an energy whip with several strands that he okay. uses on naughty crew members. So what about the peg leg, the eye patches, and the iconic hats? You got to have those? Well, he's got a great big coat with a bunch of unnecessary buttons on it, if that helps. <laughs> it does. Awesome. Do you know why they wore eye patches? Because they got their eye shot out? No. no it's a darkness no. thing. No. Night vision. It was it's, it's it night vision. 10 to 15 minutes for the cones and rods to readjust to lower levels of light. So they'd wear an eye patch on one side if they were getting ready to board a ship. And then when they get into the lower levels where it gets dark, They'd switch it over so they have night vision. That's what you could see. 
Yeah, Mythbusters did a whole thing on that. They have two pirate episodes, and that's one of the things they test is the whole yep. patching. And, and they're like, it was, it was so cool. Mm-hmm. I miss Mythbusters. Okay. It makes me sad. Gone. So what about space pirates in video games? I was hoping mm-hmm. we'd go there. Come on, have, your favorites then. Let's hear I, them. I'm not a gamer, so I don't. I don't. I saw a lot of this in my research earlier, but I'm not a gamer, so I don't know. Figure out which way I need to point. Jana got really excited. I know XCOM. I, I was trying to remember the the, the name of it. Um, XCOM is awesome. You're you're dealing with fighting aliens, but you've definitely got that piracy feel. You've got rebellions going on, and depending on which of the many many versions of it out there, and the new um, Starfield which my husband has been playing just almost non- nonstop. I don't want to know how many hundreds of hours have gone into this game. But it's it's that, in that case, you can either play piracy, you can be that guy, or you can be the one running away from them. He spends a lot of time running away, and they're, they're strafing his ship, and they want all the stuff that he's got, and it, it, it gets very exciting. But you see that a lot, especially in space exploration games, which there's several and it's always the, you know, do you want to go be a pirate hunter? Do you want to be the pirates? And sometimes it's player versus player piracy. And that is, feelings get hurt there. You say things that can't be taken back. So they, they really love to play with the space pirate thing in games. Um, I mean, people argue that even Halo has some kind of space pirate feel to it. The jackals. The mm-hmm. jackals are considered space pirates. Yep. And uh, Mech Warrior. MechWarrior's got the, the tribes, and there's the space the space piracy there. Uh, Wing Commander. I am way too much of a nerd now, and I'm going to let somebody else talk. <laughs> <laughs> My nerd goes back far. My first space pirates were, was Ice Pirates in 1984. And it has a phenomenally naughty scene in it that my mother walked in and went, what are you watching? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like 10. And she's, we're we're turning this off, and you can watch it when you're much older. It's space porn, okay? (laughs) Yeah, it it was definitely a thing. All right, who else? Other people have to have played space games. I have. I I played MechWarrior, but there wasn't a piracy feature. I can't remember no, any games that were sci-fi related that had piracy as an angle. The no, only one I remember is Metroid because the villains were space pirates. Mm-hmm. Ridley. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to own up here. The only Starfield. one that came to me was Skylanders. Because it works. <laughs> my children are obsessed. We have all of them. It's way too old for them, but that's okay because we're giant nerds. And so we support old habits like that. And yeah, no, they have all of these pirate tropes running around the eye patch and the peg leg and the the really, really put on accent and all of this. And, and they don't do any piracy at all. They're just a pirate island where they play cards. <laughs> What's well, the fun in that? So I don't know. Like I, I played the Sid Meier's pirate game, but that was actually Age of Sail. Um, I don't think I've seen it in... in sci-fi well i mean it wasn't sci-fi but i really really loved crimson skies okay and it was it was air pirates it was an alternative to history so that kind of counts because it's speculative um the united states broke up into several different smaller countries you don't have a highway system so the best way to get anywhere is by air and you have these zeppelins that are bringing cargo from one side of the country to the other, and they're subject to attack by air pirates. It's a lot a of fun. Bit, had a That's bit a great question. It, didn't it? That's steampunk. 
Right. Ourselves. Yeah. Well, more diesel punk than steampunk. Yeah. But yeah. do those count as space pirates? Would that be sci-fi? I mean, uh, can steampunk go in space? Isn't that normally terrestrially based? Yeah, steampunk and diesel punk are both generally terrestrial based. The only reason it falls into the category at all is because it's alternate history speculative fiction in that respect. Okay. And alternate technology, because they use the oh, tech yeah. in a completely different yeah. way, which yeah. puts us kind of in that sci-fi umbrella. Yep, alternate history sci-fi right area anyway. That's yeah. We're sort of a gray area. I'm all about exploiting the gray areas. How gray? Well, I mean, there's a reason I was in E4 a couple times. I'm just saying. Like, that's because you could you aim to misbehave, Jr. I did. I did. Um, I watched too much Nathan Fillion. It's all his fault. We'll blame him. He's not here to defend himself. Well, if you're going to talk video games and space pirates, we can't leave out Star Wars Empire at War. They literally have the Black Sun Pirates mm. in space. Space pirates. Just had to throw that in there because, I mean, you can't talk space pirates and not talk Star Wars. Yeah, you also had space pirates in uh, one of the recent Mandalorian seasons. Mm -hmm. It seems to be something they just throw in for flavor a lot of times. Like, yeah. one of my first encounters with space pirates, I remember uh, the old X-Men cartoon, Star Jammers. Yeah. You know, Corsair and his ragtag versus the Shi'ar and doing the whole Dark Phoenix yep. saga. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was probably my first introduction to Space Pirates. What about um, RPG-type games, like tabletop role-playing? Has anybody played any of those where you were a pirate? Um, Starfinder. Crimson Sky started favorites. out at the tabletop. Did it? Yeah. Okay. I know you can I, pretty I much... I have some of the miniatures on my wall. Cool. I know you can pretty much you know, set your own stage if you got any sci-fi game. Um, I, I've done a Metamorphosis Alpha where we were playing as you know piratical peoples, um, and then you stumble on the ship and it all goes to pot. Um, so I mean, it could be done. I don't know that there's any game specifically where the theme without you adding it yourself is Space Pirates, though. If you know of any, you should reach out in the comments section and tell us because I'm sure we're forgetting something. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a piracy feature in Elite Dangerous? Oh, I think yeah. There, there, there is. In Elite Dangerous, there is, and and Starfinder has some rules for it. But again, like you say, it's not, it's not based around that. It's just yeah, something it's you focus. can pull into it, because it gives you the rules for being in the stars and suggests that pirates make a good story. Okay. All right. So we've covered, uh, we've covered. Role-playing games, video games, fiction. We have not covered the glorious comics, picture books, graphic novels, or anime. So does anybody have any uh, any of those? Yeah, we covered shows? anime. Harlock. Oh, that's yeah. anime? Okay. Anybody Just else? Star Jammers. That's in the X-Men comics. That's mm -hmm. comics. There you go. Any other comics, Nick? Uh, Pirates? There's some indie stuff going on right now. Um, I can't remember the names for the life of me. Oh. There's so many of us. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Yeah, Buck Rogers did have space pirates. Cobra. So didn't Flash Gordon as well? Flash Gordon also had pirates. Yeah. Yes. Um, there have been several image titles lately. Uh, I think Battle Chasers even has pirates in it. Um, Joey Madbook from Buck. I guess he's doing it again. Yeah. But yeah, there's... 
it seems in anything that any medium of speculative fiction, whether it's novels, comic books, movies, RPGs, whatever, um, you're gonna throw in that flavor flavor space pirates or oh, yeah. piracy in general. Because um, it does make for a good story. That's okay. spice. Little tapatio there on your taco, you know. Okay. So are we missing anything when it comes to pirates or are we ready to wrap this up and actually hit the hour mark, which we haven't done yet. So this might be a first put in the calendar. Ooh, shocking. I'm going to call Guinness. Well, no, no, now, because I wanted to ask Jenna slash Jenna oh. something. In my research earlier today, I was looking at space pirate books and there was an inordinate amount of chest bearing bodice ripping Space pirate captain romance novels. Yep, we love them. What? All, all this the big, thing, not yeah. all of it. Purged manhood stories, left and right. It was just crazy. Wow. <laughs> I well, don't know if you write the the smoochy smoochy stuff. So, how big a thing is that? Ginormously huge. With, 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 with all of the innuendo that that implies. Um, <laughs> so so the, the space alien thing for, for romances got really, really big about nine to 12 months ago and has continued to be um, something that is at the top of the, sell, the, the charts for sales. And you do get a lot of that Manchester in space. And mm -hmm. because the pirate romance is something that has always been popular. Pirates, mm -hmm. cowboys, Scottish guys in kilts. You you can write a romance with any of those things, and you're going to have something that sells because those are. If you're going commando, though. And well, commando in space. You're wearing there you a kilt, lad. You yeah. should be going commando. It, it, it's Not a thing. in space, laddie. So yes, you get a I lot like of the that in. On the under carriage there. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> family friendly. Family friendly. I said undercarriage. No, I could have said nether region. Nick, I think I've she's watched, trying to sneak. I've watched. Um, Unmute, dear. Unmute. Well, he's not. <laughs> um, I actually watched. Um, um, oh my god! And then, of course, my my train of thought crashed. The actress that played uh, Princess Leia. Help me. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. I just watched Carrie Fisher do a roast um, and before she, you know, passed. But she said that they told her that she was not allowed to wear a bra or underwear under her costumes because there are no underwear in space. They told her wrong, that. But that's okay. I think Ripley proved her wrong in Alien. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm just saying that's what they told her I when she know. was I... getting going through costume. Because they told her that she could not wear a bra or underwear because um, because there's no underwear in space. And then she also had to chime in the fact that Natalie Portman got to wear a bra. <laughs> I wonder if they told Harrison Ford that too. Yeah, well, you know, 1970s costuming versus not. I don't know. His blaster is just flopping around. Oh. All right. That's what she said. Oh. Right, so, hey, little girl. Are there any, dear listener, dear viewer, if you've got other piracy-related topics you want us to address, we are game to uh, to do that. We'll have the same people back. We'll even see if we can get Chris to fix his uh, Wi-Fi because he had some opinions. Ooh. Um, but uh, yeah, with that being said, has uh, we're gonna go around the robin. Have you guys used piracy in your own stories? We're gonna start with Jana because I can pretty much predict her answer. 
Yes, of course. No, I, I write about space cowboys. And so in the next book that's coming out in that series, there is some space piracy going on. And that's really, really fun. But that's that's still coming out next year. So my, my I have a science fiction Western romance line. And it's tremendously fun. And it's space cowboys. And then the next one, there will be space cowboys and space pirates. It's true. Okay. Um, what about you, Mr. Michael Voice? Yeah. Um, Galaxy's Most Wanted, the whole reason that my main character ends up in space from the south side of Chicago is because of the La Soren Crime Syndicate, which are basically space pirates. They are on Earth stealing platinum from the CSX rail yard, and uh, he accidentally gets on board their ship. So uh, they they play a pretty big factor throughout all four books. Okay. All right. And uh, Pittman, you? Yes? No? Maybe? Uh, twice actually in my web serial, uh, I have a, it's set in space, but it is more like, uh, Chloe was talking about. It's kind of more land-based, but with ships kind of in a broken world going between little floating pieces. Uh, and it's got, you know, your ship to ship battle, your heist, you've got your, you know, all the tropes. I worked them all in, uh, some of my web serial true tales of Elliot Shaw adventurer. And the other time I've used it, it's more along the, uh, you know, Mark Watney route and the Martian in uh, my story in Hidden Villains Arise. It's called Into the Fire, where a billionaire hijacks his own spaceship to go hunt for aliens on the moon because, you know, the government said don't. That's a good reason to do something, actually. All right. What about you, Chloe? Have you used it in your own writing? I have a series of space smugglers that have a lot of that same flavor of the space pirates where you're, you're running the lean crew and, and skirting around the law and all of that sort of stuff in the Carbon Chronicles. But the, the closest I've actually gotten to pirates are literal pirates in a fantasy in a different series. Um, I consider them to be very much uh, uh, sister tropes, though, and, and they have a lot of those same fun behaviors. Okay. Nick, you, pirates, writing or drawing? Neither. I'm ashamed. I do better, sir. Head. I draw capes and cowls, man. Um, and I hey, this is where you tease a new series. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would love to like rip off Star Jammers and uh, create my own version of that. Um, we're not there yet. We do have a universe that's going to coincide with Apogee Comics and the capes and cowls, you know, genre that I've created. Um, it's called Ronin Twenty Eight, and they. I don't know if they're space pirates, but there, there's potential there. We're still writing it, so. But we're you know, Nick, we've learned something. Years. You can always throw space pirates into any universe and any story. Mm -hmm. See, I and if I was gonna do it, because I have this uh, like event, you know, so for for the comics, you know, so like a uh, multi-issue you know, Avengers level threat type stuff. And that could involve pirates. And really is that you got this like rogue space general that's just ravaged uh, the, the outlying worlds around him and created refugees. And they all come to earth and just completely consume our, you know, our infrastructure and resources. Cause like, we can't even do that with our own refugees. And then now you got billions of people from different you know, dozens of worlds coming to Earth as a safe haven 
So I think that would be really cool. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to write it because it's it, it at face value is pretty freaking complex. So I guess I could I could involve space pirates there. Okay. Um, I don't think I've ever used it in anything I've written. Um, I have a short story I'm writing for the J.R. Hanley Presents anthology that I'm doing with Three Ravens for boarding action that will involve space pirates, but they're the bad guys. I just haven't written it yet. I probably ought to do that. It's, it's going to be due soon. Uh, and I, I hear my boss is a real jerk and gets mad when I turn stuff in late to him. So I don't want to have to go to that HR meeting. It might get ugly. Big dumb jerk. I know. He's a real jerk face. So, all right. So we've talked about all things piracy that we can think of in the one hour time limit without just nerding out on all the weirdness. So uh, with that being said, this is the part where I remind you, dear listener, dear viewer, to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part, people. With that being said, we're going to let our guests intro uh, introduce. Uh, tell us where they can find you and what you're working on right now. So we're going to start with you, Jenna S. Brown slash Jenna Ray slash et al. slash multiple personalities. Fantastic. J&J. J&J. There we go. <laughs> Now, you can find me on the web at www.opalkingdompress.com. All of the various versions of me live there. And Jenna S. Brown or Jenna Ray, almost anywhere, you're still going to find me. So use, use the Google people or make with the links that are in the show notes. Okay. All right. We're not going in alphabetical order. I'm just going round robin. So next we got Mr. Michael LaVoice. I can't roll my R's or roll anything, really. There's a reason I suck at languages. So you don't get the Frenchy French accent, but I'll practice for next time. Merd. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can find me at michaellevoice.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as that Michael LaVoice. Uh, same with Exeter, X Twitter, Twitter, I don't know, whatever they're calling it this week. I'm there too, but I don't spend a lot of time there because they never clean the ashtrays. And um, I am also uh, able to be found uh, at uh, athonbooks.com. They are the publisher putting out Galaxy's Most Wanted, which will release December 5th. And uh, currently I'm plotting a new series that is uh, called Gladius Leagues. And I guess in a nutshell, that's the NFL meets the WWE and power armor in space. Uh, that's an interesting selling point. All right. Uh, what about you, Pittman? Where can they find you and what are you writing now? So you can find me online at uh, halfacrepond.com or on the socials at some combination of J, E, and Pittman. Uh, on Facebook, it's J.E. Pittman Writes. And uh, what I'm working on next is a follow-up to uh, the End of the Fire story. It's continuing that on, and I'm turning it into a novel. I got the rights back. So that's going to be Chapter 1. And Chapter 2 is going to be, uh, well, what happens if he finds the aliens? Okay, that sounds good. What about you, Miss Chloe Gardner with no D? <laughs> um, you can find me at Blender Fiction um, on, for my website or on Facebook. I am closing out a four-book series on giant magic horses called Hill Chargers. It's the last of four major series in my Verity universe. And from there, I think I'm launching off into some continuations on existing series that people will not let me stop thinking about. Outstanding. Uh, and you can find all of those links in the show notes down below. Click the links. 
follow them, stalk them, do what you do, buy their books. They really, really appreciate it when you buy their things. And uh, with that being said, while the Garbers have another session of family marital counseling, I'm going to tell them and you where you can find us. So we are on the link tree at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoot, the rumble, the Twitter, the email, the Blasters and Blades Facebook group and Facebook page. And finally, the most importantly, we link to Madam Stabby Stabs. Instagram and Twitter, where you can send all of the hate mail. And I think we even threw her email up there now. So she's really disappointed by the lack of hate mail. She thinks you could do better. She's really disappointed. Uh, don't disappoint her again. It just doesn't end well. Uh, they just, they're too scared. They're too scared. Ask Nick 2.0. It ended badly. We're on Nick 4.5 at this point. It's just... <laughs> what are you going to do, man? All right. You can find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters, tack and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters, dash and dash blades. We do own the rights to blasters and blades podcast.com. Uh, eventually, Nick will sleep after the knife comes out and the wounds heal, and he is going to make us a website ish. But uh, for now, for now, we have the Anchor FM where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on or you can support the show more directly over at buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the, pod, in the podcast in the comment section that is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-host duly caffeinated on Coffee Brand Coffee. Speaking of Coffee Brand Coffee, click the link. Use our affiliate code, Podcast Grunts. Get 10% off and get us a little bit of a kickback. And oh, by the way, you get Made in America Coffee. American supporting Americans is a beautiful thing. They do ship to Canada. In Mexico, they're working on Europe, uh, but I mean, you're still most of our audience here in America anyway. So, England actually can buy some of the bigger bags. So the seasonal stuff is not being shipped to Europe right now, but some of the bigger bags of like the um, like the medium roast and the 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 dark roast are being shipped over there. Okay, I've been keeping an eye. Okay, that's good to know. See, this is what we pay her the big bucks for. In fact, I'm going to double your salary, Stabby. Uh, <laughs> she'll get two percent. You get an extra quarter. Yeah. So, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am Jerry Anley, and this was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time, where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And it, uh, we did get some feedback on the email, so you guys like the three a week. So we are going to keep the three a week going into season four. Worst case scenario, stuff happens or podcasts cancel because that does happen with guests. We do have some of our sci-fi shenanigans in the archives. We can clean up, edit and throw out there to fill that lineup. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to rock on with three a week, and we're having fun. And as long as we're having fun, we'll keep doing it. So I appreciate you, Chloe, uh, James, Michael, Jana. Thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. It's like my favorite group. See y'all later. All right. And now we're going to hit the end button.